0: go back to Jonah now, and I'm going to read chapter 3, but uh, my focus will be on chapter 4, first four verses of chapter 4, uh, coming now to the last portion of Jonah, last chapter. But before we get into that, I just want to read over chapter 3. And then uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Okay, this being the word of God, let us hear it. It's not just a, a witness, as Bart would say, to God who cannot, for some reason, according to him, write down the words. But this is God's precious word. Translated, give you that, but nevertheless, God's word. Let us hear it. Beginning now, Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, went on to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, whom, uh, by the way, archaeologists uh, said could not be, and then they found it. Anyway, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed their fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with... Sackcloth and satin ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry mightily unto God, yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way, and God repented of of the evil that he had said that he would do to them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow of anger, great of kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? May God bless the reading of his holy word to our hearts and minds again. We do ask, Lord, that you would bless this word to our hearts and minds, that it would impress upon us uh, the nature of our sinfulness and the glory of thy mercy and love in Jesus Christ to to us would. We thank thee for it. Bless this word to us. We pray in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. In a uh, meditation written by uh, Professor uh, uh, Reverend Donald Hanko, he, said, uh, he, he sort of entitled the meditation based on these four verses in, uh, in Jonah chapter 4, uh, Jonah's Displeasure. And then he kind of went back and he said, well, a better title for this would be Jonah's uh, Displeasure at God's Good Pleasure. Jonah's Displeasure at God's Good Pleasure. I'd like to uh, uh, entitle my sermon uh, rather uh, doest thou well to be angry from the very word that God said in, uh, in, in verse 4 of the chapter but be that as it may it, it does give us a uh, proper perspective uh, of, uh, of Jonah and his anger for his anger was not just towards Nineveh the enemy the capital city of Assyria, the enemy, arch enemy of Israel. He hated the uh, the Ninevites. Uh, His anger wasn't just against them. His anger, more to the point, was against God. Why? Because God was merciful and gracious to these rabid unbelievers. And so, I'd like to talk about three things. Uh, Jonah's displeasure. It's pointed out here in this, uh, this chapter. Then, sort of emphasizing, sort of build on that, Jonah's sinful, very, very sinful displeasure. And finally, Jonah's example to us all, for we are not much different than he, though we think we are because we haven't committed the exact same sin. Therefore, I'm better than you are because I haven't done the identical sin that you have, and your sin's always worse than mine. That kind of attitude that Jonah displayed as an example for us, that we are Jonah's too. No different. No better. Jonah, who thought that he was better, and the people of Israel better than the Ninevites. No better. Jonah's no better than the Ninevites. Neither are we any better than the people that are jailed in, Alleg- in Allegheny County Jail. for it. We're no better. Not a one of us. Not our children. None of us. Oh, it rubs me the wrong way, doesn't it? Are you crazy? No. I'm crazy in love with the Lord. But... I'm not crazy yet. Close, but not yet. Jonah's displeasure, the historical context, as pointed out by, uh, by some commentators, is that uh, <laughs> God had been uh, merciful to Nineveh. As I said, it was the capital city, not only of uh, Syria uh, in that day, it a capital city of sin. According to Jonah, according to the Israelites, and uh, and so he despised the Ninevites. They were cruel. They were nasty. They were sin. Oh my! They were prolific sinners. And uh, and they were idolaters galore, full of idolatry. How could you, Lord, send me? A prophet of Israel. Israel's going down the tubes. Yes, this was during the days of Jeroboam the second, when Israel was prospering. Oh, wow, does that sound familiar? Israel, uh, Israel was prospering, the ten tribes of Israel, uh, the northern kingdom as it's called, and uh, material riches and wealth and all that stuff, it was going well. But the spiritual decline of the nation was evident to anyone that paid attention to God's word. And Jonah knew God's word and God's will, and he realized that Israel was going down the tubes spiritually, much like our nation, much like our world. Cast Jesus out of everything, and what do you get to replace it? Idolatry, whatever it is. The worship of government, the worship of material possessions, the worship of education, the worship of what you know, you name it. That's what you get. Push Jesus out, and it, something fills the void. But coming back to uh, to Nineveh here, and uh, and and the fact that these people don't deserve my even coming here, according to Jonah. Uh, prophesying that they are going to this is going to be destroyed in forty days unless they repent, and what do you they they repented, and God showed them mercy. They were believing by the boatloads and the truckloads and whatever load you want to say, they were believing. Not everyone, perhaps, in the world, but many, many, probably most, repented and embraced. Jonah's message. And so Jonah didn't like this at all. <laughs> I mean Israel is is going under. And you are showing mercy to these foreign monsters are well, the people of Israel, the northern kingdoms about to be carried off forever and never return from captivity. So, as uh, Patrick Fairburn's commentary points out, you know, what Jonah wanted the Lord to do was for him to carry this message through Nineveh from one end of it to the other, three days' journey, and have the Ninevites trash the message, reject the message, trash the prophet, throw him out, so that he could go back, this is according to, uh, to Fairburn in his uh, commentary, uh, for Jonah to go back and tell the people, warn the people the northern, of the northern kingdom of Israel, look, look what happens when you don't repent of your sins. Because Jonah knew that these people are destined to be taken out by the Lord. Never to return. Uh, The Northern kingdom was going going off into captivity. And Jonah wanted to bring back a message, perhaps. This was his motivation. To bring back a message, according to Fairburn, uh, that uh, he wanted to carry back to Israel and say, See what happens? God destroyed this city. They would not repent when they heard. Repent or perish, they perished. And that would open the eyes of Israel. And so, you know, some people have, uh, grant, well, you know, we can understand Jonah, Jonah's problem here. He, he really cared about his people, the Israelites. He knew that they were going under. They were uh, pitifully weak from a spiritual point of view, uh, although they were materially blessed. Think of the United States today. My oh my, materially blessed. Pitiful, pitiful people, though, in terms of idolatry and stuff like that, and and hating on Jesus, casting them out, and closing churches down for no reason. Things like that. Want to close churches down for for good if they could. But be that as it may. We can understand Jonah uh, loving on his people, hating the enemy of God. These were God's enemies, and Ninevites were God's enemies, peoples, uh, the people of God, it was their, uh, they were enemies of them as well. And so, you know, you understand why Jonah didn't want to do this, kind of, right? Uh, that uh, he didn't want to be the one to do this and then see them all repent. See them all saved. See the city saved, rescued. If they're here in the simple message, 40 days and this city will be destroyed and they will repent it. And so people can understand the problem with that is, dear people, and this is our problem too. We want God to do what we want Him to do, especially when it comes to salvation, right? God to be merciful and gracious to whom we want him to be merciful and gracious. Not to stragglers and to vagabonds and uh, hobos and to criminals and to this neighbor that I ate and whatever. We want God to be merciful and gracious to whom we want him. Our family members, our personal friends, this child, that person you know, that's what we and that's the problem here that Jonah had that we have. That we think that we can dictate to God, to whom he shall be merciful and just, to whom he shall send to heaven or to hell. We think that God has to meet our approval. And that's the problem here with Jonah. That somehow he thought that he should be able, because he's a prophet, because he has been faithful, because he has believed God, and he's a messenger from God, that he can dictate God's graciousness and God's mercy. <clears throat> But God will be merciful to whom he will be merciful. And God will harden whom he will. Harden. And you know something? That might be your very own son or daughter. Does that justify your anger? In Jonah's mind, it did. (coughs) The sin... is is repeated often. And there's a list, a commentator gives a list of some sins that, I don't know, have you ever heard, I could never believe in a God who saves some and sends others to hell. Have you ever heard that? I have. Have you ever heard, or a God who eternally chooses some and not chooses uh, others, that's not a merciful, gracious God. I am a loving God. I'll have nothing to do with her. Or how could he be such a loving God if all this stuff happens? All these bad things happen to me. Or how could he be, how how could he send this loving neighbor of mine? I mean, she's so sweet and kind and gentle, and and she's just so lovely a person, but she doesn't believe the guy, she doesn't believe in Jesus, but she's sweet about it, she's nice about it. She she can't go to hell. I mean, she's going to go to to eternal hell and damnation? Really? I can't believe in a God that. Have you ever heard things like that? That's the same sin that Jonah was committing. The same exact sin. Different situation, but it's the same thing. Dictating to God whom he shall and whom he shall not save. And that is a terrible, terrible sin. Guilty of it, or uh, how about this? It's a fact. There's a joke about it, isn't there? That uh, there was a uh, Presbyterian minister taken uh, by Peter into the gates uh, through the gates of heaven, and he's walking past the room, and he sees all these people in the room, and and uh, the apostle Peter says, "Uh, "Quiet! They think they're the only ones that are saved." And they were the Presbyterians. You ever heard that? There's something like No, I'm not a joke teller, but that's basically what people think. Some, some people think that unless you're of a particular theological persuasion, unless, let's put it more graphically, more colloquially, unless you agree with me, you can't be saved. That's an attitude that people have. Now, we know that there are certain things that the gospel says that we... We ought to be be, be believing, but uh, you know, we we can't dictate that uh, people with a different theological persuasion or a different way of doing things is, are saved. There are a lot of children; they don't have any theology. They're saved. A lot of children are. They don't understand the theology. They don't even understand Trinity. The they could be saved. So we have, we, 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 we have to get over this attitude of superiority that my thought, my way, my system is somehow better than the Lord's. We don't say it that way, but that's what we think. That's how we act. And so Jonah is teaching us some, some mighty strong lessons here. Uh, When Nineveh repented, Jonah knew already that God would spare the city and was very angry with God. Literally, as the commentator puts it, literally, he was burned up against God. He's not just angry that the Ninevites, the enemies of God, are saved, but he's burned up against God, shows them mercy. Uh, And later on, he's, he's going to express his anger again At the the gourd that was placed uh, over his head. Well, uh, just a little bit of uh, Hebrew here. The uh, the reference to Jonah's displeasure is is difficult. Where it says here that it it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, great in kindness and repentance of the evil. And then he says, O Lord, take my life. It's better that I don't live, but it's better that I die. Uh, All that. Uh, Well, this first verse here, the uh, displeasure, uh, displeasure, and exceedingly are trying to interpret or translate one Hebrew word. And uh, it's a fairly good translation of the Hebrew word, but actually this word is a word that's used for sin and describes sin as a malicious rebellion against God. And that's what the word literally or more fully would mean so the, the passage could be translated and uh, in verse 1, and wickedly rebelling, Jonah wickedly and greatly rebelled and his anger was kindled. That's kind of what the Hebrew is saying. The emphasis is on the wickedness of the rebelliousness of the attitude of the prophet. And also that he was very, uh, very angry. Jonah had been uh, chastised by God. Remember, when uh, God took him, after that ship was tossed to and fro, the sea was very wild, tumultuous. And uh, they cast him into the water, and the sea immediately calms down. God prepares a special fish. Never hear of that again. Some Probably a special fish. Could have been a whale, but probably a special fish. Takes Jonah and delivers him to Nineveh, to the shore. Mediterranean or the Black Sea, not sure which one. And, uh, and of course, the Ninevites hear, hear about that and they uh, marvel at how merciful God is. But before he was delivered to the shore, down in the belly of that fish... At the bottom of the sea, Jonah finds repentance and realizes that he had sinned against the Lord for going in the opposite direction to Tarshish. And so he repents there. But shortly thereafter, upon going to Nineveh and starting his preaching journey of three days, uh, uh, that Nineveh is going to be destroyed in in 40 days, uh, he gets this this rebellious attitude again. It's even worse this time. Right? Before he just says, I'm going in the opposite direction. Goodbye. I'm off. Now he's saying against God. See? I knew, I knew you would do this. I knew you would be gracious. I knew you would be merciful. And I hate it. I'm angry at you for doing this he he didn't overcome his uh, repentance you know isn't that a like a lot like like we are isn't that like we are that lord i'm sorry uh for committing this sin it was terrible terrible for me to think this thought to even think this thought no less to treat One of your own, the way I treated, I disliked that person so much, Lord. And I acted out. You know, I I acted like I said something sarcastic or I challenged that person in in an arrogant, nasty way. My attitude was bad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I should have controlled myself. And you really were. You were sorry for what you said the way your attitude you you need an attitude adjustment you realize that you realize that you were wrong and so you, you and lo and behold a week maybe two maybe three that same person rubs you the wrong way and there it is once again you just repented of that Jonah you just repented and now you're about doing the same darn thing Why are you any better? Why am I any better? Because that's exactly what we all do, right? All of us. I'm no better, you're no better than Jonah, than the Ninevites. In fact, it's pointed out that Jonah, Jonah needed the grace and the mercy. And the goodness of God, more than the Ninevites even. just Certainly just as much. See, the Ninevites were completely ignorant. They didn't know. They couldn't understand Moses and the law of God and the sacrifices and all that stuff. Well, maybe some of the sacrifices, but not much else. But this prophet grew up under the word of God. He was called to a prophetic ministry to the prophetic calling was given to him and he had previously repented he knew the grace of repentance and forgiveness the forgiveness of God the grace and mercy of God once you do repent of your sin and as Jesus says to whom much is given much is required Jonah was even more guilty more sinful at his attitude from his than the Ninevites who were idolaters and sinners all. Cruel and nasty people. Jonah knew better and did worse. Well, he was angry because the Ninevites repented when they heard. Jonah was angry. Wickedly, rebelliously, exceedingly so. You get the picture, and to add insult to the injury, we read in uh, in verse three. Therefore, now, O Lord, take I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. What a horrible thing to say! Lord, if, if, if you, basically what he was saying is if you save these people, all these Ninevites, people who are your enemy and, and the, the, the enemy of your people, whom you love, and you save them like this with a great salvation, I'd rather be dead than go back to Israel and tell them this. I'd rather die. In other words, if you don't do things, Lord, if you don't do things the way I think they should be done, I'd rather be dead. Elijah had a similar problem at the juniper tree when things didn't go the way he thought they should. He he didn't want to be a prophet anymore. He didn't want to die. He just wanted to die. I want to be a prophet. I don't want to go back to Israel. I don't want to be a prophet. I'd rather die. You should save these people. And what does God say here to him? Notice how gentle God is with his, his prophet, his child. In verse 4, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? My wife gets me every time when she does that. do you think god 's happy with your attitude Peter <laughs> Got me again <laughs> i i can 't say yeah he is <laughs> It reminds me of uh, of Genesis uh, chapter uh, four where uh cain uh, between Cain Abel, and amon cain and uh, onto Cain and to his offering. He had no respect. The Lord didn't didn't accept it. And Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why art thou wroth or angry? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. God wasn't so gracious to Cain because Cain did not respond well and the Lord gave him over be a mock man unsaved man all his days. But here uh, in Jonah chapter 4 the Lord is dealing with his prophet gently. He says, doest thou well to be angry? In other words, he speaks mercifully to him. He did to Cain too, in a way. But Cain wasn't one of his chosen. Jonah is. Now, I don't know, no one does, whether Jonah finally learned his lesson and and did repent of this and never to do it again. We don't know. But the Lord is, is, is uh, treating his, his prophet with gentleness. Even though he can condemn him right then and then and send him straight to hell. For being wickedly rebellious against the Lord and trying to dictate and insist that the Lord do things his way. Uh. Here's one quote I like. We, we, like Jonah, are happy enough to confess the sovereignty of God when things go our way. You know, God is in control of everything. He uh, he handles every, every detail of, of our lives. So we are, like Jonah, happy enough when we confess, yeah, God is sovereign, sovereign over all things when things go well and have prayed for it. But we, too, become angry, frustrated, discouraged, depressed, and unhappy When they don't. Have you ever become angry or frustrated, discouraged, depressed or unhappy because things aren't going a particular way you thought or you think they should? I know I have. We're no better than Jonah. None of us are. We demonstrate time and again that there's no difference between us, the Ninevites, and Jonah himself. Uh, Jonah becomes uh, an example of the sovereignty of God's mercy and of the undeserved grace of God, as his commentator proves, as we do, as we all do that no one ever deserves God's favor and loving kindness, that God does indeed show mercy to whom he wills. And in his sin, he stands in God's sight with the Ninevites and is not a whit better than they. In fact, it demonstrates, does it not, the truth of what Paul said in Romans to the Romans? Romans when he says concerning the Jews confronting the Jews of his day what then are we better than they meaning are we the Jews better than the Gentiles these Gentile idolaters sinners all haters of God haters of God's people haters of the church Or the congregation in that that time, the synagogues? What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They've all gone out of their way. They all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. Jonah, in chapters 3 and 4, these four verses, reminds us that even those of us who have grown up in the church, who have gone to Sunday school and Bible camp and VBS and have been at service with your parents time and again, morning and evening, for years and years grew up and married and have a wife and a family that you bring to church on a regular basis and teach the scriptures, have home devotions and sing hymns of praise and glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To you who have uh, been faithful to his word, trusting in it from Genesis to Revelation, believing in it, are no better than someone else who has never darkened the door of a church. The difference is what? The difference is that you have learned To pray, you want to talk about a sinner's prayer? You have learned to pray the prayer of the Republican. Well, not the Republican, but the Publican. Republicans need it too, but Publican. (laughs) The Publican. To step back, all the way back. Bow your head before the Lord, not lifting it up. And beat against your breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. As great a sinner as any other. Undeserving of your mercy. Undeserving of your grace. But thanks be to God and Jesus Christ, it was given to me. Early on, later on, whenever I found that humility to bow my knee and my head before the Lord and pray that sinner's prayer and confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, full of grace and mercy. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for our salvation. Uh, Thank you for the forgiveness that we have found, Jonah found with you even, in your softness and your kindness towards him your patience with your, your wayward prophet, your angry prophet, and your patience with us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.